Welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I am your moderator, and with me this week is Esposo de la Pastora, El Presidente Dan Marcelo. Hello! Worship Director Scott Reed. Yes! Also, he's the, the co-president. I'm, I'm sorry. I, Thank I didn't you. Write that down. Okay. And Associate Pastor Bill Calvin. Yeah. That's not how you were going to introduce I ha- us. I have to admit, I, that's not the uh, intro I had written down, <laughs> but I, I wrote these notes like two days ago, and in the time since, the clouds came back, and I was filled with self-doubt, but we'll do one more for the bonus bits. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I am your moderator, and with me this week is Paragon of Morality, Dan Marcello. Paragon. Hello. Chaotic neutral Scott Reed. Yeah. That's true. And total degenerate Bill Calvin. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know whether I should clap for that. I don't total think he's degenerate. a total degenerate. Ah. <laughs> Where did you come up with that? I was just listening, editing last week's episode. Um, uh-huh. Uh, I, was, I don't know. So that's why I didn't use it. I didn't want to call you that. Yes. On today. Appreciate that. Today. <laughs> uh, who is up this week? It's Bill. Bill, will you pray for us? <laughs> sure. Total degenerate. Come into the throne room of God. All right. Lord, we thank you for this day, for really the warmth of it. Hallelujah. And we pray for our time together, that you will fill us with your spirit, that we would say things that honor you and that truly reflect the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Scott, give us the would you rathers. All right. Um, Bill, would you rather have an itch in the middle of your back all the time or an eyelash in your eye all the time? Oh, itch in the middle of the back. Oh, man. man. That seems like an easy one. That's terrible. I hate having eyelashes in my eye. Me yeah. too. It's the worst. Yeah. Max, would you rather have your nose grow a quarter inch a year or your ears grow a half inch a year? Can you give me an image of what ears growing looks like? Uh, Random direction. In a random direction. Yeah. Now, is it the same direction for the whole year? (laughs) So it's like, ah, this year they're growing down. (laughs) Or is it like every day is another like... I think each individual ear might grow Ooh. a separate direction. Ooh, yeah. oh, my symmetry is the best. All thing we know is that at the me. end of the year, the like surface area of your ear will have increased by one. I'm going with the ears one for sure. Cubic square, half inch for sure. I don't mind big ears. Oh golly! Yeah. All right. <laughs> What's um, up, Bill? <laughs> it's just such a hilarious thought. <laughs> Dan, would you rather go back in time and give your younger self advice that will change your life, hmm. or wow. go into the future and find out? What you will encounter in years to come. Hmm. Mm, that's a hard one. That is a hard one. I think I'd go into the future. All right. Yeah. I don't think I could. I don't, I don't, I don't want to give my past self advice. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that would ruin. There's no guarantee your past self will listen to you. Well, that's true. <laughs> and also like, you know, all those things that needed to happen to me. Like, you know, true. what would I really change? That kind of formed you and made you who you are. Exactly. True. Yeah. And would I rather, if my life depended on it, have to jump over something four feet high or eight... Wait, jump over something four feet high or eight feet long? Hmm. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I can't, like, imagine which of those is hard. Can you read it again? I have to... If my life depended on it... Yeah. Would you rather have to jump over something four feet high or eight feet long? Oh, yeah. I know what I do. I guess it depends on what I'm jumping over. If it's, like... and here's why. All right. So if it's like a, if any part of my body dips below four feet or falls short of eight feet, then like and then it like I die. Mm-hmm. And that's a different question than if it's just like you just need to jump across this eight foot chasm, and you can like grab the edge or like your legs can flap off the side. Like, oh sure, right. That's a good. Or if it's like an Olympic event where it's like, well, it's just a bar that you're gonna hit. But yeah. I guess your life depends on it. Yeah. I think I feel like eight feet long. I'd go with eight feet long. Wow. I'd go four feet for sure. I think if you dive head first over four feet, you could just tuck in your hmm. legs and just get right over that. Maybe. If you're six three. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> if you like Scott Reed is five three. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners don't know how tall Scott is. That's true. 
I can um, read anything. Man, that's the shortest would you rather we've ever had. I know, it's been a while. Uh, I want to start off. we got two housekeeping uh, things to talk about really quick. Um, first of all, don't forget to watch last week. We talked about the founding of the Bloomingdale Church Podcast Church. Uh, the yeah. first official <laughs> service of that is online at bloomingdalechurch.org slash podcast hyphen service. Yeah, um, really? Thank you to Scott for uh, yeah. putting that together. I'll give you a hint. It's very similar to last week's online service, but with a couple small tweaks. <laughs> um, but a really good intro by Scott. So thank you for that. Ooh, did you edit my sermon video? I... No. Oh, well, <laughs> no, no, no. It's just the first like two minutes. This you didn't put, like, the a, the same. It's didn't put a crown on my head. Or so you can go watch it at, for only two minutes of your time at $5. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's a subscription service uh, as the Bloomingdale Church Podcast Church is. Uh, secondly, I want to have an announcement for our listeners. Um, first of all, thank you so much for being faithful, a faithful audience, I almost stabbed myself in the palm oh again. Not again. <laughs> I still have a, a That was scar. the most pain you've ever you cut, experienced you in a single moment. Still, my daughter, great like amazement, like, what happened? How did he almost stab himself? She heard it on like, listening honey, to it. He's an idiot. That's, no, that's what no, happened. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, I think I speak for all of us when I say that I uh, sincerely hope that God has spoken to you guys, uh, listeners, in, in these conversations, both the silly ones and the serious ones. Um, and as our weekly listeners may have noticed, uh, the podcast has been a day or two late pretty consistently for uh, the year of 2021, and I want to apologize for that, um, just because you guys are so awesome for listening. Uh, but I think you deserve an explanation. I no longer work here, or at least I'm sort of transitioning out. Um, and so the podcast usually... Uh, takes three to five hours for me to to edit before it goes out, mostly removing Bill's cursing. Uh, and so that isn't easy to do. Um, and we're experimenting with a, a couple ways to get the show, keep the show going in its current form, um, including doing less editing. When I say editing, I, I should say uh, almost everything we say makes it into the show, but I do typically go through and shorten some pauses or uh, you know things like that, um, any, any weird sort of timing breaks that happen. Um, and this week I'm helping a super cool couple in the church move to Florida, so I won't have time to edit it anyway. So this will be our first week of sort of experimenting with a uh, much live and unedited, live and unedited version of the Bloomingdale Church podcast. Mm. Um, so, uh, if you notice a difference, we we want to hear from you. If you don't notice a difference, we want to hear from you. You can talk to one of us, or you can email podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org with your feedback. Um, just because we want to, you know, want to give you the best show that we can. Before I move on, is there anything else that you guys want to throw in there on that note? We appreciate you listening. Yeah, one hundred percent. Well, with that, uh, it is time for Sermon Roundup. Yeehaw! Sermon Roundup this week is brought to you by the Popeyes. <laughs> brought to you by Popeyes. <laughs> Sermon Roundup this week is brought to you by Popeyes. Uh, have you? T- <laughs> That's this. It's the get. It's getting unstuck. So I got. We got to have a pause. Uh, have you taken the time to grieve even the simplest losses? And do you have a sense of purpose? Soul Care by Dr. Rob Reamer explores principles that can lead to lasting transformation and freedom for all who struggle with a broken, damaged, and sin-stained soul. Get Unstuck, a new adult education class on Zoom starting March 21st at 9.45 a.m. For more information, visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash soul care. Soul care. Last week, our very own Dan Marcello preached uh, on the nature of true repentance. Um, that topic has come up a couple times over the last few weeks, um, but I wanted to follow up I was on preaching it. on it. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you were resistant to talking about it early, so now we can finally talk about it live. Um, I think it's easy to overlook, so I want to follow up on it. You said repentance is always a necessity, not an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the easiest places to to not repent, in my mind, is sort of the sins of the mind because mm. they are so secret um, and they're easy mm. to even hide sort of from yourself. Um, That's true. Really quick, what would you define as sins of the of the mind? Hmm. Well, I think a sin of the mind could be a lot of the same sins that are expressed, you know, in actions, but done mm. mentally, like um, some like adultery, like Jesus talks about, you know. Not, it's not just someone going off and sleeping with someone else. It's, you know, picturing that in their mind. Mm. And so that that could be one, being angry, mm-hmm. um, bitter, which oftentimes works itself into actions, but it first begins in the mind. Mm. The mind is a huge battleground. Yeah. And that's something I've been thinking about recently in First Corinthians 1, having the mind of Christ. Yeah. Asking for his help with the mental struggles that we all have. Mm. 
just being complex emotional creatures the way God made us, mm-hmm. the mind is a, is a real struggle, I think, for all of us. Mm-hmm. So listeners, if you feel, you know, that that's a struggle for you, you're definitely not alone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess the short answer is, yeah, it's a lot of the same things, but just it starts up here. Sure. First. And I think with those, you know, less physical, more mental sins, the path to repentance and the Mm -hmm. path to sort of recovery from them can be more complicated because some sins like can't just come to you in the middle of the night, right? Mm -hmm. They can't just, um, you know, show up and and bug you while you're driving to work or or Mm -hmm. things like that. Like you can be tempted, but it's not like, oh, I can, uh, you can sin, you know, right, right here, right there. Sometimes you you need someone to lie to (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, or, or something like that. Um, how can I give up sort of sinful thought processes? And, and obviously, you know, we have like the really practical ones, like, like lust and things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, but even sort of taking it in from the other direction, like you were saying, Dan, of, um, sort of like anger or bitterness, Mm -hmm. right? These sort of sins of, of self pity, uh, of really sort of, um, putting ourselves in a mental state where the world becomes about us. Mm -hmm. How can I, you know, repent of those sort of sinful thought mm-hmm. processes. That kind of reminds me of the the three ingredients I was talking about of kind of having that understanding. Okay, what I'm doing is not helpful here. This is mm-hmm. sinful. It's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like it's hurting me. I think that's a, the place we have to start. Because if we don't see it as a problem, there's really no reason we're going to repent. There's there'd be no cause to if, we're, if we don't see it as an issue. And yeah. Sometimes it can be weird. Like, well, uh, the second one was offering a sincere apology. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, am I going to apologize to myself? I think it's also apologizing to God. Mm-hmm. You may need to ask yourself forgiveness for for something, and maybe that's something you found valuable. But definitely going to God, because when we sin, he's the one we, we sin against. Yeah. Reminds me of King David, when he was confronted with his issue of sin with Bathsheba, he said, Lord, against you and you only have I sinned. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the what he noticed, like, even though he had someone killed, like, what he ultimately did was against God and against people, too, but more against God. And then having that action plan. Mm-hmm. Like I really needed to like go to God and maybe a pastor, a friend to help develop and like some steps here to, to not keep falling back into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can really easily get trapped in mental, mental stuff mm-hmm. and really minimize it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And say like, Oh, this is just who I am. Or mm-hmm. I just have this and like the way our brains are wired. Like we, we go to a certain place in our mind we go to a place of, you know, bitterness or anger or whatever the sin is. Yeah then it's harder to harder to change that pattern. Mm. I don't want to monopolize the company. No, you're <laughs> absolutely right. You're so used to the way you think, mm. you don't even realize it's there. It's sort of like trying to find a tool in your garage that you're walking by every day and you just mm. don't see it. Yeah. You need somebody to come in from the outside and say, there it is. You know, how could you miss it? So it it is difficult. I find for myself that I say to myself, I don't want to think this way. And mm. that really helps. Just, I'm not going to let myself think this way. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like maybe it's too simplistic, but it's because that's step number one. Mm. I'm just going to let myself think this. Mm. Okay. <laughs> and then you, your brain moves on. Mm. So it helps with things like, Anger, bitterness, lust. Those are the three that come to my mind right away. But I'm sure it would help with lots of stuff. Yeah. Even like something like greed, for example, or coveting, or like I really wanna mm. really want this. I really want this. I can be like a yeah. I gotta buy this next thing. I gotta do this. I need this. Yeah. Yeah. And just telling yourself, yeah, I'm not gonna think this way. Mm-hmm. Not helpful. Yeah. But it really is the Holy Spirit's empowering on our lives, I believe. Yeah. Helping us to see like no, this thought pattern is not right. Because how are we going to see it otherwise? Unless mm-hmm. either A, God shows us and we're available and and really asking him to say, Lord, like, tell us what, what's going on here. Yeah. Or having other people have access to people close to us to say, that's not a good thought pattern. Yeah. And actually listening to them. Yeah. Because it's hard to see it ourselves. Like Bill says, like, we're just so used to it that it's normal to us. Mm-hmm. But what might be normal might not be helpful. Yeah. And I mean... You know, I think this has been brought up a couple weeks in a row, but Romans 8 talking about, uh, in the in the first part of Romans 8, talking about how 
if our minds are controlled by the sinful nature, they, then our minds settle on things that are of the sinful nature. Mm-hmm. If it's controlled by the spirit, then we are settling on things that are pleasing to the spirit, which is a great litmus test, first of all, for where your mm-hmm. mind's at. And like mm-hmm. you said, Dan, of like, is this helpful? Is this mm-hmm. glorifying to God? Is the fact that I'm thinking about this and dwelling on it, the, the thing itself, like, is that glorifying to God? I think that's, you know, Romans really supports that um, to be sure. What does it mean to take thoughts captive for Jesus Christ? Bill, that was something that you prayed over me the other day. What does it mean to take thoughts captive? Part of it is just to say, I'm not going to let myself think these things, but it's also to say, all right, I'm going to take this one to Jesus Christ. Well, what a filter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you say what that means to take something to Jesus Christ? Well... If you're having an evil thought and you say, okay, Jesus, is this evil? Mm. If, you, if you even have to ask that question, it very well could be. I mean, it's probably. Mm-hmm. So then it's, will you help me with this? I read a book, uh, How to Overcome Temptation by Bruce Wilkinson, and he says, most of our temptations are extremely short-lived. Mm. So if we pray for the Holy Spirit to come and help us, he said that within two minutes, you can expect relief. Mm. I thought, really? And so he had all these people. He says, I've had thousands of people tell me, I, this is true. This is working. But, hmm, interesting. I think one of the reasons why temptations, for instance, last longer than two minutes is we keep feeding them. Mm. We keep... <laughs> yeah. Seeing how close to the edge can we get before we fall off. Sure. And also, like, you know, like Dan said, like following those same mental pathways too, right? Ending up in the same place. Like Mm -hmm. that's feeding it as well as Mm -hmm. starting over. Not saying, okay, like I'm done with this. I'm not going to think about this anymore. But saying, okay, let's start from the beginning again and work my way back to the same spot that I keep ending up in. And it it, it takes time too. Mm -hmm. We all have to have grace and mercy with ourselves as if this is something that someone out there listening or one of us is struggling with, I think something the statistics say, like it's something like 20 some odd days to form a new habit. Mm-hmm. So even like a new way of thinking, that's going to take like training yeah. on our part of being intentional of saying, I am like Bill is put so well of, I am not going to let myself go down this way. I am mm-hmm. not going to let it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to let this thought have dominion over me. I'm not going to go down this way. This is self-destructive. Lord help me. Yeah. But yeah. it's, it's going to take some time and effort. Yeah. Unless, I mean, God could just heal us of it completely and be like, okay, you're free. Like Sedona talked about freedom from yep. withdrawals from mm-hmm. drugs and just bam, God healed her. Mm-hmm. Not to discount that. But mo- uh, most likely it's going to take time. Mm-hmm. And you need something to fill that void. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if it's a thought, which is what we're talking about, then you need, okay, I need a different thought. Yeah. I need a wholesome thought. Mm-hmm. Something I enjoy thinking about. And that's probably where Bruce Wilkinson's two-minute rule really does kick in, that if you can bring your mind to that different thought and you spend some time there, then your evil thought passes and you're getting on with your life again. Yeah. All this stuff's easy to talk about, but if somebody has really hurt you, for instance, or you're really upset, you're mad, yeah. that's, that's a lot to get past in two minutes or less. Mm-hmm. But you still have to get past it. it. Don't say, well, the two minutes have gone by. Obviously, Bruce Wilkinson was wrong, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm the exception. I'm going to be angry. Woe is me. I'm going to yeah. keep thinking this. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hmm. Especially like with worry, it's easy to pick up worries. Again, you, I've heard it said, like, you lay down your worry on the altar. You give it to God. And yeah. it's sometimes mm-hmm. easy to, like, take it back up off the yeah, altar. Completely. Pick it up and be like, I really want to worry about this. Completely. And it's a lot. There's a tension and a struggle with fully mm-hmm. letting that go. That's hard. Yeah. And it's I, hard for me, and I'm sure it's hard for others. Yeah. It it has helped me to pray, like, God, I'm trying to give this to you. Would you please not let me take it back? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I can give it to him for however many minutes and then start right down the yeah. same ski slope of, like, thought process and say, okay, I need that back. Like, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to solve this, or, like, I'm going to feel this, or I'm going to, you know, do whatever. And... um and to say, like, no, I'm, I'm giving that to God for a reason. And that reason, as you said, 
you know, sin gives birth to death is like mm-hmm. holding this in me will kill me. Mm-hmm. If at the very least it'll kill my relationships, mm-hmm. at the very least it'll it'll kill my relationship with God. It'll it'll mm-hmm. be a huge hindrance to it, right? Yeah. It's so hard to be genuine with God in your prayers and in your you know Bible reading if you're holding on to something. Mm-hmm. It is so difficult to give it to Him because He'll let you take it back because He wants you to choose, and I think that's hard. Yeah. I had somebody years ago said in like a talk or a sermon that fear was a sin. And I think fear is a huge umbrella term that captures a lot of different ideas and feelings. Um, But with Jesus um, compelling the disciples plenty of times and compelling us not to worry about tomorrow, not Mm to uh, worry about how we're, what we're going to eat and how we're going to, you know, dress and uh, where we're going to go um, and even sort of chiding people for getting too ahead of themselves and saying like, ah, now I've got my plan. Mm-hmm. Now I don't have to be afraid. I've got, I've got my solution for what my life's going to look like. Could you describe the ways, like if fear, if there are kinds of fears that are sinful, are there fears that are sinful? Oh yeah. Why else would that be? Perhaps the number one command. I've, I've heard it as mm. the number one command. I've heard it as the number two. The number one perhaps is love. Fear not. Fear not's 365 times in the Bible. Right. Not all of them are angels appearing to shepherds at night saying fear not. <laughs> Just a couple of those. Yeah. So I've come to the conclusion the reason why fear is sinful is it just keeps us from being and doing what God has us on this earth to be and to do. Mm. If we're in mm. that prison of fear, yeah. we are not going to take these steps of faith. Amen. We have I'm glad a, you brought this up. Gone. They have a helicopter. Yeah. yeah, we have the windows open. and it's Just about the loudest thing that I've ever heard. <laughs> I was listening to a, a speaker recently online, a pastor who's saying that Jesus was afraid in the Garden of Gethsemane. I just had a hard time with that. I don't know, of Jesus being afraid. I'd never maybe considered it. What do you guys think about that? I've kind of been wrestling with that. I watched the, the video again this morning. Yeah. Just reconciling the fact that so many times in the Bible it says, do not fear, and then to say Jesus was afraid. Mm-hmm. I mean, he obviously was in great distress, in great anguish, yeah. and was concerned and did not want to go through the suffering, was willing to yield his life. Mm-hmm. But to say that Jesus was afraid, it's just something in my spirit just had a hard time mm. with that. I can see why. I, I'm wondering if the man wasn't thinking of, there is one thing we're to fear, and that is, well, actually two. One is God, right. mm-hmm. and the other is sin. So Jesus, he does fear God, mm-hmm. and he does not want to go into sin, so that his fear may have been the way this man's expressing is the fear of, I am going to sin. I'm going to, mm. I'm going to back away from the cross. I'm not sure he used the right terms, but yeah. Yeah. I think Scott should speak to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, because we've been doing all the talking. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. It's interesting that you brought it up, Dan. Is, uh, is that what you were preaching on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was I was wondering that. <laughs> and uh, trying to get more spoilers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've been mulling this over, this question of, why did Jesus pray this in the garden? Because looking at all the evidence, I don't think Jesus was trying to change anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Jesus said like so many times exactly what was going to happen to him, mm-hmm. exactly when it was going to happen, where it was going to happen, how it was going to happen. It says in John, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. Mm-hmm. He says to Pilate, who says, you know, don't you know I have the authority to crucify you? He says, you only have the authority that God's given you. Mm-hmm. It was like at every step of the way, Jesus, I think he knew, I mean, he, he did know, but he knew all of the details of his death and he knew why it was going to happen. And so I just, it doesn't make any sense to me that Jesus was praying in the garden to change the outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, so why was he praying in the garden? 
She's going to have to come next weekend and find out. <laughs> Stay tuned. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of serious. I don't want to say it because it's like it's the whole point of my sermon. Don't say it. But so, and I, it's interesting that you brought up, you know, him, whether or not he was afraid. And, and I think it depends on how you view fear mm-hmm. and how you define fear. Because, like, I was actually present in the sermon this morning and I, to myself, said, like, I think the human part of Jesus was afraid in the sense that, like, he was, like anxiously anticipating what was going to happen to him. Like maybe that's not fear. Maybe there's a better word for it. Mm -hmm. But like when I think of how I fear like worldly things, like I feel like he probably felt a similar experience to that. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Uh, I mean, it's hard to imagine him being fully human and not having some degree of trepidation. And again, maybe fear is not the right word, but some degree of like stress, Mm -hmm. anxiety, Whatever, whatever the right word is, as he as he thinks about what he's going to endure, because he's going to feel all of it. Like his godness did not, I don't think, shield him from fully experiencing the suffering of the cross, um, and he knew that. So maybe fear isn't the right word, uh, and I'm glad that you brought it up, Dan, because now I probably won't use that word. Um, <laughs> but I think he experienced something like, depending on how, on your definition of fear, something mm-hmm. in line with that duress, mm-hmm. maybe anxiety or worry or or just not really wanting to experience this mm. this pain. Whatever however you want to wrap that up in one word. Maybe there's not one word that really sums it up well. Mm. Um I mean if he's sweating great drops of blood. Yeah. Yeah. It's like man, that had to have been Yeah, you know, like you're saying a lot a large amount of duress. Sure. And Stress. anguish. Yeah. And he said, you know, in Matthew he says his heart is troubled with sorrow to the point of death. So, I mean, Jesus' sorrow maybe is different than our... <laughs> Go on, Scott. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he said he says that he's experiencing sorrow. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the English translation. Maybe that's not, you know, our understanding of sorrow isn't the exact... But whatever he was experiencing, he was experiencing some something pretty intense and pretty bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So however you want to describe it, you know, we know he wasn't sinning when mm-hmm. he felt it, mm-hmm. and we know it was really hard. Yeah, so that's. I think that's enough. Yeah. Imagine he had lived the previous thirty-three years of his life in total communion with the Father. Yeah, of having access, you know, going away and praying and just having that connection, and all of a sudden, gone. Like Father turns his back on him. Mm. That had to been had been difficult. I'm trying to, I don't think it really connects to topic of the week, but, uh, but I think we can get into the topic of the week. We have 15 minutes to go. <laughs> we do. We'll be fine. Um, I mean, we could take a little bit longer, but, uh, let's get into topic of the week. Topic of the week. This week is brought to you by the young adults Bible study. Hooray. Secretary Woo! Gorbachev. If you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet union in Eastern Europe, if you seek liberalization, come here to this church. <laughs> Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, go to the Young Adults Bible Study. Thank you, Ronald Reagan. Thank you, Ronald Reagan. The Young Adults Bible Study is a community of believers and seekers learning how to love Jesus more fully, going through some of life's most challenging years together. The Young Adults Bible Study, every Wednesday night, in person, in the coffee house, visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash adults to learn more. Mm -hmm. Scott, on the week that you're preaching, mm-hmm. what is the Bible study going to be like? Because you lead the Bible study. Um, well, same as it is every week, um, in that we will read the passage together. It happens to be the passage that I'm preaching on, and we'll ah. talk through it. And so it'll be easier to come up with the questions, probably, because <laughs> sure. I've been thinking about it already. But it's it's different than it used to be with the young couples, because we used to do sort of a response to the message, and now we do sort of like a preamble to the message, yeah. focusing more heavily. It was The focus was always the Bible, but more heavily on, on the Scripture. So it kind of, in some ways, takes the weirdness out of... That like because there was there was a few times when I was preaching and then I was like all right well what'd you get out of the message this week <laughs> <laughs> hopefully something <laughs> nothing all right all good, right. good um, talk short night and yeah. uh, we'll so go. you know it'll be different from that this time around yeah so, yeah, yeah. it'll be uh, basically the same just I happen to be the one preaching that weekend cool 
Well, for Topic of the Week, this week we want to help Scott get prepared for ordination, so it's time to discuss another ordination question. These, of course, come from a list of 130 questions that Scott has to know the answers to. Uh, Question number 30 is, what qualities and ministries possible only for a person are attributed to the Holy Spirit? They're going to ask Scott, what does question 30 say, Scott? (laughs) Come on now. (laughs) Hmm. Well, I've got my Bible open to good old John 16, <laughs> Perfect. which is one of the, the two chapters I always go to uh, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, John 14 and 16, and talks about the Holy Spirit being the counselor, hmm. having that title, capital C counselor. Hmm. Uh, that's a, a definite role that he has to play. It says the counselor, he convicts the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment in regard to sin, because men do not believe in me, in regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where no one can see me, and in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Mm. It, talks, it goes on to talk about how the Holy Spirit is going to lead us into all truth. And so, really, it, it personalizes it there, with especially the capital C counselor, that this is not like an impersonal energy field that mm. lives in all things and binds the galaxy together. Right. Is it the force or something like that, that but a distinct person that has roles to play. Yeah. The Bible says we could grieve the Holy Spirit. That points to a person, mm. person who has emotions too. Mm. Oftentimes people think that God has no emotions, that he's just above it all, disinterested. And that's not the picture the Bible paints of God. Um, well, I've got my, my notes here. We're almost done. Actually, tomorrow, tomorrow we finish. Ann and I are finishing one year. Wow. Finishing the our first time through the questions, and then I need to start like memorizing things. Wow. Um, but uh, so I've got my notes here for this question. But I actually I'm reading through this book right now. Uh, it's taking a little bit of a hiatus for the last few days because um, I haven't had time. But it's called "Delighting in the Trinity" by Michael Reeves, and it's a little book. It's 130 pages, and uh, I would definitely recommend it. I think he's got good things to say. Uh, it's about the Trinity, which is obviously a, a really deep and significant part of the Christian faith. So he might be wrong and I wouldn't really necessarily know, but I don't think he is. Um, and uh, just the way that he describes the Trinity and the relationship between, I mean, it's, it's interesting. The book is interesting because it's like, it definitely helps you understand the Trinity, but you can even see just the title. That's not really the point. Mm. Um, you know, the point is to, as you gain a fuller understanding of the Trinity and how the three persons interact with each other to like draw you into like a deeper love of God. Uh, And so I just started the fourth chapter, which is called the Christian life. And then the subtitle is something about the spirit. Um, And so he's talking, he started talking more about the Holy spirit now. And and I've only read like two pages in the chapter, but the first thing he says uh, in the chapter is that the Holy spirit is the giver of life Mm. Um, and he points to some stuff in, in creation. He talks about how that's, that's what the Nicene Creed kicks off the section about the Holy Spirit with, is describing as the giver of life. Um, he talks about mm. creation, and then he talks about the new creation, you know, that we receive new life through the Holy Spirit. Mm. Uh, and I don't have that in my notes, but I think that's a pretty interesting, um, an interesting thought. And, and as he... In a different, in the chapter on creation, he talked about how the Holy Spirit, sort of, for lack of a better word, like embellished and like beautified the world. And he he's got different references for that that I don't have on me. But hmm. um, so yeah, interesting that the Holy Spirit has roles that we don't necessarily think about all the time because he mm-hmm. shows up, quote unquote, in acts. And, mm. and they're like, oh yeah, no, here's the Holy Spirit, ready to do his thing. But like, he's been there. Yeah. He's been doing his thing, whatever his thing is, mm-hmm. uh, for always. And uh, and will be too. Yeah. yeah. I remember keep doing it. when I was a new Christian, I was like, I had a friend of mine who's kind of walking me through the Bible and explaining things. And I said, Mike, why in the what? What's the Holy Spirit's role going to be when we're all in heaven? Does he? What does he even need to be there for? Like mm, all yeah. of his mm. jobs have ceased. He's yeah. like to be worshipped. <laughs> like, oh, <yeah. laughs> True, he is a distinct person of the Trinity. <laughs> but I, I was kind of like, it's a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like what? He, he can't count. He's not going to counsel anymore. He's not going to convict. There's not going to be any more sin. Sure. Like what? what what's his job? Is he going to be bored? Yeah. <laughs> nope. He's yeah. going to receive adulation and worship for all of eternity. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And glory in himself. Yeah. And the fact that he's with all of his children. Yeah. One thing that's come up a number of times in this book. Actually, I read you this poem, Bill, um, a week ago. Max, you'll know this poem. I always do. It's called, um, I forget what it's called, actually, exactly. But it's uh, the first three words are the world, or the first four words are the world is charged. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Um, and uh, anyway, that's not really the main point. The point is that that poem uses the same kind of imagery of the Holy Spirit that Michael Reeves kind of keeps coming back to. The Holy Spirit at Jesus' baptism descends like a dove. Hmm. Um and uh, so that poem describes the Holy Spirit as having bright wings. And Michael Reeves keeps going back to, it's happened two or three times, you know, Genesis 1 describes the Spirit of God hovering over the waters, which he, you know, is saying is the Holy Spirit, and he describes it hovering dove-like over the waters. And so mm-hmm. there's just this very kind of consistent, yeah. um, it's sort of, and he even describes it sort of like a brooding, like mother dove, mother bird, mm-hmm. uh, sort of. And, and that's also in the poem. So there's just like this interesting, um, this interesting imagery of, of the Holy Spirit is sort of not like a bird. That's <laughs> not so weird, but you know, he does descend like a dove. So it's in the Bible that he has somewhat dove-like qualities. <laughs> and then we Which see are not around. person quality, <laughs> <laughs> right? But when the dove uh, uh, descends on Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when. Jesus is there, and the dove lands on him, and then the voice of the Father says, "This is my Son, whom I love." Yeah. So it's like there's all three, yeah, yeah, yeah persons of the Trinity, like yeah. right there in the same square foot. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. The book describes the relationship. It says, "For all of eternity, God the Father was loving God the Son, Jesus, mm. in the Spirit." Right. Like mm. That was like the relationship. Yeah, and talks about like. This was in the salvation chapter uh, in the early parts of the Old Testament. I can't remember if it's Exodus or Leviticus, but Aaron gets anointed. And I think it actually even is described in a psalm. And the, the oil mm. anoints his head and then kind of drips down onto his body. Psalm 133. Thank you, Dan. Wow. Um, how do you not... Fact check. Well, that. I guess Dan. You're right. That's here. what it I was is. Gonna say, <laughs> how do you not win the where in the world is... Or where in the Bible is Carmen San Diego? <laughs> That's um, true. But I guess you both are here and you're both good at that (laughs) anyway so and then he describes you know jesus at his baptism was anointed with the holy spirit Mm. and it descended onto him the head and then like drips down onto his body the Mm -hmm. church Mm -hmm. which i just thought was such a cool super cool yeah this book is awesome (laughs) in three years max you're gonna love it three as always (laughs) so jesus describes the holy spirit as the advocate and when he says the advocate will come or counselor, yeah, it depends or, on the or translation. Yeah, or helper. Or helper. So, because Jesus is our advocate, right? When it comes to, you know, Jesus is the one who is advocating for mm. us at the right hand of the of the Father. And Jesus is also called Wonderful Counselor. Um, what was the last one you said, Scott? Helper. helper. I don't have anything for that. Jesus is like, Holy Spirit, I am the... the Holy Spirit's like, no, it's no, me. <laughs> Get out of here. Um... <laughs> Is it? Oh. But they're, they're they're both that way. I yeah. think it's First John. Oh, I can't remember the exact place. Two eleven, but that's where Jesus Christ is our advocate. Yeah. Mm. Does do the parts of the of the Trinity have distinct? I mean, I know they they must have distinct persons because they're different persons. Mm-hmm. But like, can you speak a little bit to what makes them? distinct from one another because they're obviously all still one. I see them as really complementing each other too. Like it's like perfect unity. Mm. So like God, the father is speaking to Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is sharing that with the people. Yeah. Like everything I have spoken to you has come from my father. Right. And then the spirit here in John 14 says that the father will send the Holy spirit in my name. will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Mm. So it's like, Comes down, it comes from the Father to Jesus, to us, reminded, it's in his word, but the Holy Spirit reminds us of the things that Jesus has said. Mm. It's kind of interesting to look at it that way. Yeah. And it is that, that complimentary. Yeah. They're all saying the same thing, but just have different roles in getting the message out, mm-hmm. as it were. Mm-hmm. 
and seeing the Holy Spirit intercede for us on mm-hmm. behalf of the mm. the Father when we pray and to explain like I am five or a golden retriever, <laughs> why does it matter that the Holy Spirit is a person? Why does it matter that it has to that the Holy Spirit has to have characteristics possible only for a person? Why can't our faith make sense with the Holy Spirit as like God as the force, right? Mm-hmm. The thing that flows through all things. Like, mm-hmm. why does the Holy Spirit have to be a person? Um, God being triune is really essential to the Christian faith. Okay. Like God being three persons in one and not just being a solitary God. And, and there's a lot of reasons for that um, in the way that the world is and we understand it. But one thing, uh, again, that this book said, uh, most of my answers today are based on this book. It's because I've been reading it in the last week. Um, but he said something really interesting. He talked about, you know, the father and the son loving each other. And and he kind of looks at, he looks at sort of these like, like this is what we would expect from like this kind of God. Like a God that was solitary, he says, like would never really have any reason to create apart from just like making servants for himself. But a God that is in relationship with other people already, whose whose identity is in loving other people, loving Jesus the Son, uh, it makes perfect sense for that kind of God to mm. want to create more mm. to love. Yeah. Um, and he says, you know, he describes like if it were just God the Father and God the Son, two people has like a certain exclusivity to it. Right. But when there's three people, the nature of the relationship is always outgoing and like inclusive. Um, so I think that's one reason why it's important that the Trinity, we understand the Trinity as a person is like, he creates this like God community. Like it's not just this like, you know, two, two romantic lovers, you know, early on in the relationship where they're just like, block out the rest of the world and it's just the two of them, mm-hmm. which God the Father and God the Son could be if it was just the two of them, theoretically. Yeah. But because the Holy Spirit's there too, and there's this, there's three, it it, it is inherently yeah. inclusive mm-hmm. and inherently you know, wants people to come in and, and be a part of it. So for our sake, it's really good that, he, that he's a person and that, mm-hmm. that that relationship has always been open. Mm-hmm. I don't think of the force as really loving Mm. us either. Mm. Mm. Whereas the Holy Spirit, it's not a big stretch to think he actually loves me. He cares enough to convince me that Jesus Christ is a way to Mm. convict me of sin, to comfort me in grief. It just makes grasping who God is a little bit easier. Yeah. Kind of brings me back to what we talked about at the beginning with the scriptural examples of that he is a person that well, we believe that God's word's reliable, mm. it's trustworthy, that it's without error. And the scripture presents the Holy Spirit not as an impersonal energy field, but as a, a vital member of a three person trinity. And so taking that at face value yeah. as well. Yeah. True. Like it doesn't matter if it's important for him to be a person or not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way God wanted it to be. And I think that, I think the appeal to the fact that it's about who God is, right? Mm-hmm. Like who God is, is everything. Who God is, is why we are. And who God is, is who we are, right? And we are who we are because of who he is. Uh, and we exist because of who he is. I think that's um, easy to forget, especially when, talking about theology and wanting things to like really line up and make sense in a human sort of way. Um, but you know, we are not, we are not strong enough to do anything ourselves. We are not good enough to save anything ourselves. Um, and so the nature of who God is, is what drives everything in our lives. And so why shouldn't the nature of who he is be the answer to that question of, Mm -hmm. because it's, you know, the Holy Spirit needs to be a person because it's foundational to who God is. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love that answer. Listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rather, trivia quizzes, and... Uh, Holy Spirits? And no, no there's only one of those, Dan, and Jesus oh, already sent sorry, him. Sorry, sorry. And you can send rebukes of Dan Marcello to podcasts at bloomingdalechurch.org. You can send... Oh, he's just trying to be cute. Dan Marcello's heretical cuteness to podcasts at bloomingdalechurch.org. Uh, technically, um, 
Holy Spirit smiles. Technically, this wasn't a, a, an email, but it was a text I got from friend of the show, Eric DeNovo, <laughs> who said, I just wanted to let you know, as a, as a bit of fan mail, every time you guys say Heart of the Nation at the end of the podcast, I get hyped. Um, <laughs> so thank you, Eric. We won't uh, let you down today. For our closing segment this week, <laughs> Maybe we, will. we have Maybe. given up bets for Lent. And so it is once again time for round three of Where in the Bible is Carmen San Diego? Uh, we got three passages of scripture. You will tell us the book, chapter, and verse of the references. Uh, the winner, of course, will get jelly beans, and you get one point for a book, one point for a chapter, one point for a verse. Let's get started. I have done a much better job this week of hiding them from Scott <laughs> until the time. That's what you think. <laughs> the appointed time. <laughs> until the appointed time. They have not left my sight since I, since I printed them off. <laughs> um, let me make my scorecard here. Uh, once again, I almost read the reference. <laughs> All right, here we go. Round one. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all the possess, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Nothing. Dan Marcello. First Corinthians thirteen, eleven to sixteen. Uh Scott. First uh, Corinthians thirteen, one to five. And Bill. First Corinthians thirteen, one to six. It is first Corinthians thirteen, one to three. So Bill Scott really long three verses. Dan with two. two. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus has cruci have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the oh, Spirit. Man. And that's a whole element of the Spirit we didn't talk about is living in the Spirit, living in a person. We don't have time today, but man, we got to come back to that. Uh, <laughs> Scott, are you ready? Yeah. Bill. Scott, are you ready? Bill. <laughs> Galatians 5, 19 to 25. <laughs> Scott. I said Galatians 4, 12 to 16. Okay. And I said Galatians 5, 6 to 10. It's Galatians 5, 19 to 25. Good job, Bill. Jeez Louise, nice. Bill. Oh, my word. Um, I forgot how many books there were in Galatians. That was incredible. <laughs> what was, what was your guess? Galatians 5, 6 to 10. Man. Bill, that was awesome. That was. That's from going to vacation Bible school about 30 years ago. <laughs> years? I went to vacation I was, Bible school. Well, I was a teacher. I went to vacation Bible school 10 <laughs> like years ago. You were 38 years old. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> Marina wrote the curriculum. It's called, well, we still do it at our church here. Um, it's the fruit of the, the spirit, spirit, but there's this great music that goes with it from salty... The songbook. The songbook. Yeah, salty the oh, song. Golly. You want to sing us the fruit of the spirit song? Um, which one? The fruit of the spirit's not a coconut. Patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the spirit. I think there's probably like a thousand oh, fruit of the spirit songs because I've never Patience, even heard kindness, the one Dan singing, and I know like nor four. I, but that'll be our outro music. Blessed, <laughs> blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on His law day. And night. Boom. Boom. Uh, Scott, are you ready? Yes. Scott. What? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? You're welcome, Bill. <laughs> uh, I said Psalm 1, 1 to 3. And uh, Dan. Same. And Bill. Oh, you know. I made a mistake. I put Psalm 1, verses 5 and 6. Oh, my goodness. We have a tie. We do <laughs> not have a tie. So coming in with six points is Scott, seven points is Dan, and eight points is Bill. Good job, Bill. Bill narrowly avoiding the perfect game, though. It's yeah. Psalm 1, 1, and 2. Choke on the end, yeah. That's oh, right. not 1 to 3. He gets the complete game. 
Gets the no hitter, but not the uh, not the perfect. So it wasn't one to three; it was one and two. It was one and two. Oh man, that is all the time that we have this week. But before we go, uh, Bill, would you pray for Nita and Adrian for us, really quick? All right, Lord, we thank you for your choice servants, Nita and Adrian. Hmm. We pray your best on them. We know that you love them, and we're praying in your will when we say, "Fill them with your Holy Spirit." May they see fruit for their lives that matters for all eternity. May they be able to easily slide into the next church. We know the people are going to love them. We pray that they're able to serve you in that place with real distinction and also that this matter of Nita working um, in a distance way, that this works out. We pray blessings on her as she takes this on and we thank you for all these things in Jesus name Amen Amen. Yeah uh, but really quick um, if you want to say a few words and, and we should pray for uh, for them as they travel mm-hmm. out Nita's been just such a huge part of this church and she and her husband Adrian have been just such a source of of love in my life um, mm-hmm. that they just you meet them and they radiate uh, the love of Jesus Christ oh, absolutely like the sun <laughs> so um, they listen to the show uh, we hope you keep listening. So we hope you keep <laughs> even from sunny Florida. We need the ad revenue, Nita. <laughs> Jet ski's not gonna pay for itself. <laughs> ad revenue. I think they should know that they have made a huge impact while they're here. Amen. On not just the four of us sitting here, but on a lot more people. Amen. And I hope that they get to see a little bit of that as they leave of people coming up to them and saying, Hey, you've really blessed me. I know that you guys have blessed my life. Mm. And I know say the same for all of us. And may you sense that God is pleased with you, that you're good and faithful servants. No, you're not dying, (laughs) but we're going to miss you. Amen. Well, I'm going to miss them. I know Nancy is too. They really do radiate the love of Jesus. That's right. Mm -hmm. They've got so much going for themselves. Man. Uh, Adrian's got more talent in his fingernail than I've got my whole body. And, and Nita is run right there with him. I, yeah. it's, I'm glad they married one another. They'd probably be really bored if they were married to somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Um, going to be really weird because uh, mm-hmm. virtually, well, they, I guess the exception of the young adults ministry, but that's new. Like pretty much every area of my ministry or the things that Leah and I have taken on and helped with, like Adrian and Anita have like had a part in it between like worship leading, mm-hmm. helping with website and social media stuff, helping with video editing stuff. So it's going to be really, I know some of that stuff they'll still, they'll still do from afar, but it's going to be a big, a big adjustment to not have them mm-hmm. to partner with in so many different areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like Bill said, it's a tough, a tough loss. Mm. Maybe we should all just move to Florida. Yeah, that's what happens. Put the church out somewhere else. We're going to move to the Keep away from these people. <laughs> Maybe uh, make your house a little bigger. That's <laughs> no, not done being built yet. And then, you know, a thousand some, extra rooms. Add some upper rooms. Um, you can send upper rooms to podcast of Bloom. You can send your work. donate send your to the upper, upper room fund. Nita and Adrian. <laughs> Nita and Adrian. Wait a minute, you're just <laughs> siphoning off from that jet ski fund. Well, the, it's a word. It's con. getting somewhere. We want to see it actually what about people become that a reality. Have, they just like got spare upper rooms that they need to donate. You can mail those to podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah.